recording has started. Um, I don't have a lot of notes tonight, which could be a good thing, because maybe we'll get done early. Could be a bad thing, because it leaves a lot of room for the Holy Spirit to take over, should he choose. Uh, it's only bad in the sense that maybe someone needs to go home and sleep, but if you don't need to go home and sleep, it's all good. So, um, I... I uh, was praying about this a lot this week, and I started going through Matthew again because I, uh, after talking about kingdom citizenship a couple weeks ago, and then doing it again a week later um, down in Statesville, I just really had this fire in me that I just needed to find in the Gospel of Matthew all the times that it mentions the Kingdom of God. Um, and in, in Matthew, more often than not, it mentions the Kingdom of Heaven and not the Kingdom of God because Matthew is written to the Jews, um, so they already knew that the Kingdom was already the Kingdom of God, so to them it was a place, it was a destination. You know, it was a country. So, um, there are a couple verses that I, I want to pinpoint tonight. One of them is Matthew 4.23, and the other one is Matthew 9.35. And we're just going to kind of talk about the gospel tonight, if that's cool with you guys. Absolutely. Um, it's been a long time, I think, since we've really, like, talked about the gospel, quote-unquote. Like, we preach the gospel here all the time. We talk a lot about sanctification. Um, we get into a lot of the meat that is the gospel. Um, but tonight, I kind of want to talk about some parts that I, I, I think should be a little bit more milky, but I feel like we kind of have to redefine some things um, and really look at them from the lens of what it is to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, if that makes sense. And if it doesn't, I'm going to kind of get into that a little bit, but before that, I'm going to pray, so I'm going to pray real quick. Um, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So... Uh, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus, and I thank you so much for worship tonight. I thank you for how great it was. Uh, I thank you for how powerful the lyrics were. Um, I thank you for Chelsea and Cameron just leading the thing and uh, doing it so well. I thank you for the for all the prophetic parts and different things that you worked in. I thank you for everybody who's here tonight. Um, I just thank you for what your word says, and I pray that you would lead us and guide us tonight in your word. Um, and just show us exactly what you want to show us about the gospel. Um, so we just thank you, and we give you all the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All God's people said? Amen. 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 All right. Pitter patter, let's get at her. So, Matthew 4.23 says, in, yes, okay. I'm recording. Yes. All of it's on the, on the recorder. Thank you, Annie. <laughs> um, so, uh, Matthew 4.23. Does anybody want to read that for me? Yo. All right, go. <clears throat> and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. He preached the gospel of what? The kingdom. The what? The kingdom. The kingdom. All right. Uh, Matthew 9.35. Does anybody have that? I got you. All right, go for it. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Awesome. 
So every sickness and every disease among the people, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people, when the gospel of what was preached? The kingdom. Um, I've been I've been on this kick lately. I don't I don't think because of traditions and bad interpretations of the Bible, I don't think that we've ever really seen the full gospel preached the way that it should be. I would like to propose that to you guys tonight. Um, because when we preach the gospel, when we go out and we try to get people saved, how do we do it? Very rarely do we ever actually, do we ever actually talk about the kingdom of God. More often than not, we're just trying to get the salvation, aren't we? Mm -hmm. We're trying to get the notch on our belt. We're trying to show them that they need salvation, that people are sinners. But, and I mean, Jesus, Jesus does do that, but the way that he went about it is so much different than the way that we do as far as modern Christianity goes. It doesn't say that Jesus preached the gospel of salvation. It doesn't say that Jesus preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says that he preached the gospel of the kingdom and then healings and of sicknesses and diseases followed. And I, I think it's really weird that when we talk about the gospel, the first thing that comes to mind isn't the kingdom, it's salvation. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. mm -hmm. when we're like, dude, let's go out and preach the gospel, what's the first thing you think of? Like salvation, believe, confess. right? And the, that's not that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, hear me out. Don't don't read into what I'm not saying. Salvation is the open door to the kingdom. It is the first step. To some degree, you could say that it should be the first thing you think of because it is the first step forward. But it is not the end all be all, and it is not everything. Amen. If it was, then what's the point of everything else that we see in, in the gospels? What's the point of everything else that Paul and Peter and James and John wrote in their letters to the churches? Most of the stuff that they wrote had literally nothing to do with salvation at all. You guys ever notice that? You guys ever think about that? And yet when we go about and we preach the, the gospel, we preach salvation only and just kind of let everything fall by the wayside after they get saved. I don't want to be... <clears throat> I don't want us to be that church. I don't want us to be that community. I don't want us to go looking for salvation when we evangelize so much that we miss the kingdom. Because you can see salvation and completely miss the kingdom. Yeah. How many Christians do you know have are saved but like aren't living like they're in the kingdom? Can I add something to it? Yeah. In the scriptures it says the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. Why is that? Because they're not the traditions of God. They're not what God said. Because people become stoic. Okay. Yeah. They become stoic and they get caught in their traditions and their repetitious, repetitious behavior yeah. where they won't leave the comfort zone. Yeah. If you're not going to leave the comfort zone, you're not going to accomplish anything. Right. Right. You exactly. have to be willing to be bold and to step out. And this is the reason that the traditions of men make the Word of God of no effect, because the traditions now become more important than the Word does. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm just reminded of a conversation I had 
with Jacob last week when he was here. Um, so I'm going to move on from that. But uh, let's, 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 let's get back into this a little bit. Um, when we think about the gospel, what's the first thing we think of? We think about salvation. But is it, is it really merely when, the gospel? Is it merely salvation and the sinner's prayer, or is it more than that? Okay. Um, Jesus didn't preach the gospel of salvation. He didn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and healing and deliverance followed. Um, you go to Matthew four seventeen. Are you still in Matthew 4? Yeah. Read to verse 17 for me, please. <clears throat> From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <clears throat> Jesus never said repent because you're a sinner. Yeah. He never said repent because you need to be saved. He said repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, I mean, let's be honest. Who's the best evangelist in the Bible? John, John the Baptist. Did you say John the Baptist? Yeah. All right. Let's, okay. Let's go on that for a second. No, seriously. Let's, <laughs> Matthew 3, verse 2. Who's got that for me? We can look at John the Baptist. Let's look at John the Baptist's message for a second, okay? Let's go. Um, hold on. Start in verse 1. Chapter 3 of Matthew. Verse 1. one you want me two. to read it? Yeah, go for it. 1 through two, 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I don't think there is one greater than the other, because they both bring the same message. What was the message? Gospel of the kingdom. Okay, so why do all the best evangelists that we know in the modern era only preach salvation? Deception. Let's, let's, no, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing them. Let's, yeah. let's really think about this for a second. How much better, how much more effective would we be if we preached the kingdom and not just salvation? Because if John was able to turn all these hearts and prepare them for Jesus' coming, and Jesus was able to not only reap all of those people's salvations and bring them into the kingdom, but set up future generations through his disciples, what message did he preach? Because it wasn't just salvation. It was the kingdom, wasn't it? When they teach just salvation, I think there's a lot of assumption that the believer is just going to get the kingdom of heaven in there in them immediately, and they feel like they don't have to give an example of that because God will just do it. And most of the time, God won't do something, you know, unless we ask for it. So, if we're not asking specifically for the kingdom of heaven to enter us, I don't know. <coughs> Okay. We'll get into a little bit of that. Let's 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 look at a couple other things first. Um, so Jesus taught this this gospel of the kingdom, right? And then he taught his disciples to do the same thing. Let's go to Matthew ten. Um, uh, I'm gonna read verse one, and then we're gonna read verses seven and eight, because everything in between that is really just an explanation of who the disciples are. Okay. Um, verse 1 says, And when he had called to him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against evil spirits to cast them out 
and to heal all manner of sickness and all disease. And then let's jump to verse 7. And then he said to them, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you've received, and freely you must give. Now at the end of one of the Gospels, um, I, think it's, I think it actually is Matthew, Jesus commands the disciples to teach them all in which he taught them. Okay? What did he teach them to preach? The kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is here. Alright? Um, we become powerless when we lose sight of the kingdom. We become powerless when we forget that the king is here. He's with us. Hebrews 13.5 says that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. Earlier on in Hebrews, Jacob preached it last, last week or the week before, it says that we need to come boldly before the throne. Right? The throne of grace. Right. The throne of grace. The specific. Yeah. Because it's that divine empowerment. Mm-hmm. So, I, I would like to propose to you that people are tired of praying a sinner's prayer with no power. Mm-hmm. I would like to propose to you that they are tired of consumer Christianity that only meets on Sundays and doesn't want fellowship throughout the rest of the week. I would like to propose to you that they want the real gospel and then they want the full gospel. Which leaves us the question, how do we preach the gospel and what gospel are we preaching when we go out? And then we could very easily summarize it and say, well, it's the gospel of the kingdom. Great, yes. But what does that look like? Yeah. Let's go to uh, Colossians 1. verse 1 of chapter 1. We're going to go to verse 14. Alright? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which you have to all the saints. Excuse me. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come to you, as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit, as it does also in you since the day you heard it, and knew the grace of God in truth. And you also learned of Epirus, our dear fellow servant, who is for you, a faithful minister of Christ, who has declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, 
and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power to all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins <clears throat> I, I think I think the way that we talk about the kingdom I think the way we talk about Jesus the way that we we talk about the gospel as a whole I, I think it all I think it all needs to change because salvation doesn't just get us saved it doesn't just get us into heaven when we die it it transfers us here and now it delivers us here and now from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son and i th i think that when we when we go about talking to the lost when we go about evangelizing when we're when we're just doing life every day i think I think the way we need to go about it needs to look different. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to change. I, I think I would like to propose to you guys that the reasons why we keep falling into the traps that the enemy sets up for us is because we're not focused on his kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that all, all life's necessities will be added to us. Yeah. I, I think that there's power in seeking the kingdom first. And I know that we have songs about seeking Jesus first, and, and that's a part of seeking the kingdom. But it's not what Jesus said to do. He didn't say to seek him first. He said seek first his kingdom. And I, and I think that there's a difference, and I don't know how to explain it intellectually, but I think that there is a difference between seeking Jesus first and seeking the kingdom first. Mm -hmm. Because seeking Jesus first, it, 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 when you seek Jesus first, you get to see your Lord and your Savior. You get to see your bridegroom. You meet the Father. You get the Holy Spirit. Those are, those are all great things. Those are all great, great things. But you don't always get the perspective that you need to do life. You don't always get the power to overcome because you're so fixated on him being the savior that you miss the verses where he says that you are a conqueror in Christ, that you are a co-laborer with him, that you are an ambassador in the kingdom. Yeah. And we talked about this when we talked about kingdom citizenship a couple weeks ago. Do you know ambassadors in foreign countries? The, the, the Bible makes it very clear. We are in a foreign country. We are foreigners and citizens in heaven and we are ambassadors trying to bring people back to our country when we look at what an ambassador is on a physical level when you go to a foreign country as an ambassador you have more power from your country backing you up than the president does right I'm not even gonna get into that <laughs> we're not gonna touch on that tonight but what I, what I want us to see is that the kingdom of God has a different way of dealing with things politically, socially. It is the answer to all of the world's problems. 
When you when you look at uh, there's this video by the Fuel Project, and I can't remember what the book is called that he quotes, but um, he has a video about um, what the world would really be like if we got rid of Christianity. And in this video, he does a bunch of research, and he brings up this book. There are these two guys. They did a bunch of research on the history of all the all the wars, the wars, the known wars that we know of since human since humanity began and how many of them were actually affiliated with war. You know how many of them are actually affiliated with war, or with religion, I'm sorry. How many wars are actually affiliated with religion? You know how many wars are actually affiliated with religion? 6% of all wars that ever happened had to do with religion. When you take out the nation of Islam, only 3% have to do with religion. When you look at the social, economic, and political environments around the world and which ones have been the most successful for the longest period of time throughout history, the most successful countries were always those that had kings and leaders or queens, leaders, empires, whatever, that followed after the teachings of Jesus the best they could. That doesn't mean that they always got them right. Like, let's... Let's be real, okay? Nobody's ever going to get it perfect, yeah. okay? But the ones that have been the most successful over time, that get got rid of the most inequality, that, that had the most, um, that were the richest kingdoms, that had the healthiest kingdoms, they all had the gospel at the center. Yeah. And these, these countries didn't even have gospel, the gospel at the center the way that we're talking about the gospel. Right? Because they, they still fell under, under the traditions of man and under preaching the gospel simply to get somebody saved. Because when you look at historically what their lives were like after they got saved and they prayed that prayer, it was, it was not good, right? It was, it was trash. But the fact of the matter is the gospel still had an effect because they tried to make it the sinner. Now how much more powerful of an effect would it have if we actually preached it the way that Jesus said to you, how much different would life be? Because here's, here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. We've talked about this. If, if, if all we're doing is meeting in here every Saturday night or every Wednesday with our small groups or doing whatever we're doing as far as like community work goes and we never say anything about Jesus, we never say anything about the gospel at all, then we're not doing really any good. Our righteous deeds are nothing but filthy rags at that point because we're not actually spreading the kingdom. We might be doing good things and God's never going to frown on that, but there's so much more. There's so much more. Every time the gospel was preached in the Bible, in the New Testament, the city changed. There was a lasting effect. I want us to be a church. I want us to be a community. I want us to be a family where when we go out and we say that we're Christians, we say that we're followers of Jesus, that we're sons and daughters of God, that we're the bride of Christ, that when we preach the gospel, the gospel happens. The kingdom happens. When we preach the gospel, it really is about seeking His kingdom and His righteousness above everything else so that everything else falls in line. Right? Because like we, when we think about it, the kingdom of God has solutions to every dilemma. Everyone wants a king like Jesus, even if they don't believe He's God. How many, how many of you have ever met an atheist or Satanist that ever had anything negative to say about Jesus? Most of the time, they're like, well, I don't really believe in Jesus 
as far as him being God, but he had some pretty great teachings, yep. and I'm pretty down with those, right? Yep. That tells me something. That tells me something, that everybody wants a king like him. Everybody wants a kingdom like his, but they're scared to believe in it. And they're scared to believe in it because they don't really know what the kingdom is like. They don't really know that in the kingdom, when you're converted, healings happen. They don't, they don't really know that like deliverance happens here. How many, how many people, at least one of us in this room, know somebody that's not saved who probably suffers from terrible fear or anxiety or depression or night terrors? Every single person in this room, right? The kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is the answer. Yeah. to their sickness and their disease it's power. because it's power because God has not given us a spirit of fear right or depression it says that when we have a spirit of heaviness that word heaviness in the, in the, in the Hebrew in Isaiah is depression when we have a spirit of depression he gives us a garment of praise right yeah. there's a transference there from darkness into light from Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God. But if all we're doing is saying, hey man, get saved, they don't see the kingdom. They don't see the solution. They don't see a good and loving father, and they don't see a good king. All they hear is, dude, you suck. Your sins have overtaken you. Get saved so that you can get into heaven, and then maybe you won't suck less. Or maybe you will suck less. Yeah, that's right. Right? Like... That's what we're saying. And it's, and it's, it leaves such a hole and it turns off so many people to what we're actually trying to do. Right? Um, let's go to Matthew 13. verse 10 says and the disciples came and said to him why speak you to them in parables and he answered and said to them because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not given for whosoever has to him it shall be given and he shall have more abundance but whosoever has not from him shall be taken away even that he has. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, and neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. So there are two things that I want to point out in this, this, this portion of scripture right here is that one, 
In every parable that Jesus ever gave in the Gospels, he gives it to show us the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Every single parable. He doesn't say to get you saved. He doesn't even say to get you healed. He just says to reveal mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And you have to be really careful when you talk, start talking about mysteries because occultism means the mysteries. <laughs> and so when you start talking about <laughs> hidden knowledge and a lot of like weird stuff, you got to be really careful. So we're going to forsake all that. We're going to talk strictly about what the Bible says as far as mysteries go. Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to seek it out. And he's called us to be kings, right? So we need to be seeking out the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven because the mysteries, the hidden things of the kingdom are the solutions to the world's issues and the world's problems. Those hidden things are what we can use to help transform our area and our city and our state and our nation, okay? And, and I don't want us to be, as much as we talk about like not voting here and us not giving a poop about voting because God intentionally and God intentionally elects abased men to rule over nations that's what it says in Daniel like which means he intentionally puts cruel men over leadership over nations it's a big deal right so like we don't really see the point the gospel everything in the bible makes it very clear that we as God's people when we're put in a position of power and influence we need to use that influence for the kingdom of God and serve diligently for the kingdom of God right it's all about spreading his kingdom Joshua when you look at, not Joshua, Joseph, um, when you look at Joseph and what he did when he ruled over Egypt, how did he get there? It wasn't seeking his own kingdom at all. No. Right? He wasn't looking to save himself. Nope. He was looking to do the right thing because he knew who God was and he knew what God had told him. He had dreams from God. He had interpretations from God. And even though it doesn't say this directly, he was looking to do kingdom work. And it brought salvation, but it also brought a lot of other things. When you look at Daniel and how Daniel served however many kings of the Babylonians that he served, every single one of them, at some point or another, tried to kill him and his friends. And then they realized that God was on their side. And all of a sudden they were like, no, he's actually not doing anything bad. He's serving us, even if he lives life a little bit differently than us. We should glean from him. We should see what he's got going on. Right? The king was like, worship his God. <laughs> I've heard that whole story. Our gods aren't great. Worship his instead. <laughs> there is a more excellent way of talking about God and his kingdom. And we need to figure out what it is. And I, I, don't, I don't quite have that solution yet. I can't give you a formula. I don't, think it, I, don't, I don't think that there is a formula to it. I think it's a person by person basis. Because when Jesus talked about the kingdom, it was a person by person basis. To Nicodemus, he talked about being born again. To Zacchae Zacchaeus, he talked about giving everything that he had away back to, back to the people that he had taxed. Right? When he talked to the rich young ruler, it was all about his riches. <coughs> this young ruler didn't want to hear that so he turned his back and we're going to face things like that yeah. but the fact of the matter is you see more fruit from Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
than you see from people preaching a gospel of merely salvation. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is just something we need to open up to discussion and we just record the discussion. I don't know. But what I do know is that we weren't meant to be sitting in the defensive in anything that we do as far as kingdom citizens. We aren't meant to be on our guard. Look, dude, like some of you guys that were here a couple weeks ago when I like cried and I freaked out. I freaked out because I've been on the defensive for such a long time, okay? Because I was so focused on me and getting healed that I lost sight of so many aspects of what the kingdom is. And I've had this, uh, this, this, like, just this fire since then where I, I just, I, I'm looking at everything and I, and, I, and I can't help but wonder, okay, like, is this what the kingdom of God looks like in this situation? Is this what, is this what the kingdom of God looks like at work? Is this what the kingdom of God looks like in my house? Is this what the kingdom of God looks like today for me specifically? Is this how I can give the kingdom to other people? Because freely I've received it, so freely I must give. And I got to tell you, man, like, when you start doing that, you forget about everything else. Jesus, um, at a certain point, the disciples of John come to him, and they're like, look, man, John the Baptist sent us to you because he wants to know when you're going to come and set him free, because the promises in Scripture says that you're going to set the captives free. And Jesus is like, Just go tell John that everything that the gospels that the that the scripture promises are being fulfilled. Blind eyes are getting open, deaf ears hear, and people are being delivered. Salvation has come. And then he goes on and he heals somebody. And they're like, all right, great, we're gonna go tell John the Baptist that. And John the Baptist dies happy yeah. being beheaded yeah. because he knows the gospel is being preached. But there's something from this story that I think is so interesting that we can glean from. John was so obsessed with himself and where he was in that moment and trying to get out of jail that he missed that the kingdom was happening because of everything that he did and everything that the Holy Spirit empowered him to do and set him up to do. He was so focused on himself that he missed the kingdom. He was so focused on what he thought the kingdom was supposed to do for him that he missed the king- what the kingdom was actually doing. All right, and I and I I think that some of us we can talk about breakthrough, we can talk about affecting the city, whatever. There there are some of us in here that the reason why you're feeling stuck and the reason why you keep going back to the same things is because you forgot the last thing that God told you to do. You ignored it because you didn't think it was going to be the solution. All right, and I'm here to tell you, look. After I freaked out, here's the thing that God told me to do, okay? God had been telling me for weeks that I needed to come before you guys and, like, cry and freak out. I just wouldn't do it. I was being prideful. I was being stubborn. I was being silly. I did it, and I felt great afterwards. I got through the weekend. God provided for me. The other thing that happened, though, was that he said, you forgot to do what I told you to do years ago. And I was like, well, what was that, Dad? And he goes, you need to start working out and taking care of yourself. And I was like, I've tried. He goes, you don't try. You just do it. Mm. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Look, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Since that time, it's been three weeks, right? Since that time, my blood sugars have evened out. I've maybe had one high blood sugar a week, give or take, which is a big deal. And... 
because I've been working out. It's been weird because, like, anyway, I won't get into science. You can ask me about the science later if you want. But the other thing is that my boss said, hey, I'm going to get you insurance. And I was like, great, how much of it do I have to pay for? And he said, you don't. What? Yeah. That is so good. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. And we just got our cards in the mail. That's awesome, right? Under other insurance plans that I had, my deductible was $5,000. Under this insurance plan, my deductible is $1,000. Yes! Oh my gosh! Which means hopefully after my first, after buying insulin for the first time, I won't have to pay full price for it anymore, which is great. But the thing of it is, is that, here's the thing, is that I'm not, it's awesome, it's awesome, right? And that's something you should praise God over. Here's the thing though, here's, here's the biggest thing. You can cry if you want to, you're too excited. Here's the biggest thing though. This is, and I don't, I don't want us to overlook this, okay? Here's the biggest thing. Those are all great things, those are all things to praise God over. And I want to take time to do that. But it's not the end-all, be-all. By any means. Because the end-all, be-all is that I would be fully converted, like it says here, and then be healed. And that there are areas of my life that I'm going back to, and I'm like, all right, God, obviously the kingdom isn't here. Help me. Because I got, I, I've seen the kingdom enough to be saved, but I want to see the king, or I repented enough to be saved. I repented enough to come this far. But I want to repent enough to see the kingdom fully manifested in my life. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I, and I, and I, I want us to be a family that has repented enough to see the kingdom fully manifested in all of our lives. I don't, I don't want it to just be this thing where, I don't want it to just be this thing where like we come forward when we have a problem and it's like, oh yeah, well let's just throw money at it and it'll fix it because everybody's tithing. Like that's great that everybody's tithing and we can do that, but we need to see the kingdom so much that when we come forward and we pray, we actually fully believe and we trust that God is going to do something and that God is going to move. And if it means the tithing money that we have, we throw at whatever the problem is, great, because it's kingdom money. It's the kingdom solution. But at the end of the day, if somebody comes in here sick, if somebody comes in here diseased, if somebody comes in here with a demon, money isn't going to fix that. Yeah. If somebody comes in here with night terrors, if somebody comes in here with depression, with a mental illness, if someone comes in here and they're a part of the LGBTQ community, if somebody comes in here and they're so politically minded that they can do no heavenly good, money isn't going to fix any of that stuff. And the fact of the matter is, and here's the biggest thing, because we talk about 1 Corinthians 13 and we're like, well, love, love's got to be the center of everything. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said the kingdom's got to be the center of everything. Love without the kingdom at the center of it has no power. It doesn't break chains. It doesn't set captives free. And in fact... We look at the love that most of society has. It's useless and means nothing because it's self-serving. Yeah. If we don't have the kingdom at the center of our love, then our love is selfish and it's all about us and doesn't bring any kingdom results. I've been reading this book by Mark DeJesus called God Loves Me and So I Love Myself. And then the first two chapters he lays out like, 
this description of like selfish self-love that the world has and then godly self-love and then like our heart's conditions, the condition of a person's heart. And true love, true self-love, true love that, other, like, that you give other people, it's not self-serving, it's not selfish, it's not full of self-pity. All right? And more often than not, when we talk about things like that, when we talk about love, we, we fall into one of those categories because our first thought is, oh, well, you just didn't love me enough, right? That's selfish. Oh, well, I just can't love you today because I need to go take care of myself. That's selfish. It's so selfish. And, and, and it's not kingdom. It's not the kingdom of God. It's not the gospel. And there are some times where, yes, like, don't, so don't read into what I'm not saying. We do need to set up boundaries. Love as boundaries, okay? Like, don't read into what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is that the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, has so much power behind it that we're missing out on because we're so caught up in all these other aspects of what we think the gospel is and what we've been taught that we miss the fact that all that stuff falls by the wayside without the kingdom being in the middle of all of it. The gospel falls by the wayside if all we ever do is talk about salvation, if all we ever do is try to get a notch on our belt, if all we ever do is try to get numbers, if all we ever do is try to get healing and deliverance, it all falls by the wayside and doesn't matter and doesn't mean anything because we've lost sight of the fact that we are colonists. We are ambassadors that are supposed to spread the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. And all of those things are encompassed in the kingdom. But if we only focus on one of them or two of them or three of them, then we miss sight of the rest of the kingdom and everything else that we're supposed to be doing and everything else that God has to offer. And our breakthrough falls short every single time. Every time. Because you're only focused on one thing when if you would just redirect your heart and your mind just a little bit you would be focused on all of it because it's all encompassed in this country in this kingdom that we're supposed to represent I was doing some research today did you know that the United States has over 20,000 rules on average that are constantly changing every day? That's crazy. I don't understand how we can have over 20,000 rules and, and like the entire country not be in jail or fined. Yeah. And yet, when we talk about salvation and preaching the gospel... We talk so much about the fact that we can't live up to God's rules. But God only, had, God only has 316. And yet we think it's more feasible and more rational to live by the 20,000 of the United States. Logically, that does not make sense. I mean, Virginia alone had 20 different laws that just went into place on July 1st. Yeah. I think... <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we look at... 
talking about when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And one of the first things the apostles did before the Holy Spirit was given was repent and teach about repentance. I have this idea that you, there, there, in the Old Testament, there's there's a time where God repents, but not in the King James translation, it says he relents. And I think the kingdom of heaven is this place of where we relent from our earthly burdens and relent from the things that we've carried so far, like Cameron was talking about in worship, things falling off of us. And But we have to have an example of what we're walking into. So we're not going to know how to repent until we have the example of not just why, but also um, not what you're missing out is it's a shame you're missing out of it, but it's this this is the answer to how you relent from these things. This is this is the freedom from your burdens. And I liken it to this that like if, if someone gave you a map and said, Go find Jesus and you're in this country and uh, there's a map, there's a bunch of countries on this map. You first have to go into the country that he is in to get to him. And the thing with the gospel, and this is the part that I could, we could discuss further, is it, the idea is since God sent his one and only begotten son, there are times where he has walked down roads to come and meet us. But he still leads us back into his kingdom. So they have to go hand in hand somewhere. But I think it starts somewhere, somehow, with the place of repentance. I really do. Well, it says repentance means to change your mind, right? Yeah. Change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is here right now. So let's, like, let's, let, let's talk about it for a second. Then. If you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. All right? What are you doing? What are we, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? that we do because we don't realize that the kingdom of heaven is now. Right? It's like... <laughs> when you get to eternity, the attitudes and the mindsets that you have right now, which of them are not going to fit in heaven? Which of them are the ones that God doesn't want there? And why do you still have them? Because heaven later is equal to heaven now. Right? Like, so here's the thing. What does heaven look like to you? Get that in your head. All right, good. Bring it to earth. What are you seeking to be healed from? What are you seeking to gain from being in heaven when you get to heaven? What are you looking forward to? Okay, good. You can have that now. Yeah. What What do you want other people to experience to heaven? Okay, good. Give it to them. Amen. When you think about Jesus being the King of kings and Lord of lords, he's only that because he's the King of heaven first. What does the government of heaven look like? Alright, good. Give it to everybody that you meet. Like, seriously. Like, like really think about it. Because it starts here. It starts with us. And we have to take it out. Right? That's why Jesus said, repent. Change your mind for the kingdom of heaven is here. Right? It's like... 
there was this scare tactic that preachers, um, that I heard a lot of preachers use when I was like a youth pastor, where they were like, look man, you need to stop watching pornography right now because God's in the room with you. You know, would you ever watch pornography in front of God? All right, well, he's with you right now. Why are you still doing it? And it was like, the way that they preached it, it was like this guilt and this shame and this condemnation type thing, right? But it doesn't change the fact that it's, well, it's true. Right? So, okay, remembering that, remembering that the, the, the enemy is the author of guilt and shame and condemnation. Let's get rid of that right now. In the name of Jesus, he has no power here. Let's ask that question sincerely. What are you doing right now that you think that you can still get away with that's a sin or that the enemy has you trapped in because you think that God is far off? Okay, that's a lie. God is here. He is now. He is with you. Seek first the kingdom and that thing will fall. It may not, look, God, God is a God of, of suddenlies. And Jesus never taught us how to not deal with a suddenly, with not getting like that suddenly in a way that was up front. But he did teach us. He said, seek first the kingdom. Right? We know that there's things that are spiritually rooted. Okay, so find out what the roots are and say, all right, God, I want the kingdom here. Show me how to bring the kingdom here in my life. Because it's clear that I'm not seeking it here. It's clear that I don't trust you here. Help me. Because here's the thing, man. Like, I'll just tell you straight up. For the longest time when it came to dealing with diabetes, I did it all myself. I didn't talk to anybody about it. The first real time that I ever talked to anybody about it was was Kate um, while we were still dating. And it was a terrible night. Oh my gosh, we tried to go see Big Hero 6 and my blood sugar was just messed up and like we came back, we fought and then I just like cried and she was like, what's wrong? And I freaked out for the first time talking about it because it, it wasn't something that I ever shared with anybody. And then I, like, that was like the first real time and then every time after that it was like, it just wasn't good. And none of it was good. And the last time that I did it with you guys, it was much needed because it it showed me that I didn't have to hide it anymore. And I didn't have to go it alone. And it was this place of like rock bottom. And, and I realized that Jesus was like that rock at the bottom and that his kingdom was going to be there to take care of me. Because his kingdom, the kingdom is everything. The kingdom is everything. No matter what anybody else says, the kingdom is everything. It is everything and it's over everything. And when it's not, life falls apart. You think about countries and and political spectrums and like countries are known for being good countries because of the way that they take care of their people. Dad wants to take care of us with his kingdom, but in order for him to be able to do that, we have to seek first the kingdom. We have to seek to serve his kingdom, not our own. We have to seek first to serve his kingdom and not the kingdom of the United States. 
We have to learn how to seek first His kingdom and not the kingdom of salvation. Amen. We have to learn how to seek first His kingdom and not the kingdom of healing or deliverance or personal opinion. Like, when you said yes to God, you said no to every other opinion, including your own. Because your opinion first has to be filtered through the Gospels and through the Bible. And then you get to have your opinion again because you know how God thinks and what He says. But first you have to learn how to trust Him and His kingdom. You have to learn how to seek first His righteousness. And that, that, that phrase, His righteousness, the word righteousness means the state in which a man ought to be. So seek first his version in which a man ought to be. Amen. And we talked about this the other week when, when I taught him this the first time was that like we need to know what his laws are all 316 of them so we can understand how to live properly and how to live in, in like right communion with God. And the laws where it talks about us giving sacrifices and animal sacrifices and stuff like that like cool man throw those laws away because Jesus was our one and only sacrifice. He's all we need. But everything else we're not stoning people anymore, either. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> 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 <sighs> I guess I gotta throw that list away. Um, but but everything else, and we can eat bacon too. Thank God, that's another yes. thing. Petty change. So bacon, tight. bacon, and uh, shellfish. The important thing. So tight. <laughs> 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 um, great things that he changed for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah. I I guess I guess more than anything I'm going to here let's end with this. I have a couple a couple more Bible verses. Um I will have I'll have somebody read these. Uh, somebody go to 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20. Um, and then somebody else go to Matthew 16, verses 15 through 19. Okay. Kate has Matthew 16. I got full 20. 1 Corinthians 4, 20. Go for it. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Uh, Matthew 16, verses 15 through 19. He says to them, but whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which it is in heaven. And I say also to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of, he oh, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on the earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay. So, I think, I think that there are a lot of Christians that live a very defensive life. I think that more often than not, we're so focused on how the enemy is attacking us that we're not aware of how we can advance the kingdom. And I want to get us out of this mindset, okay? Um, the reason why I brought up these two verses is, be, or these, these four or 
five verses is because if all we're going to do is talk about the kingdom and not live the kingdom, then we're not preaching the kingdom. We're not living the kingdom. But the kingdom of God is not in talk, but it is in power. All right? Power. I think a lot of Christians are living powerless lives because when they talk about the gospel, it's the gospel of salvation and not the gospel of the kingdom because the kingdom has power. Yeah. And salvation has power too, but only enough to get you saved because, well, that's what salvation is, mm -hmm. right? But there's so much more that we miss out on. Secondly, in verse 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Gates are not offensive in nature. They are defensive. You don't build a gate or a fence unless you're trying, or a wall, unless you're trying to keep people out. Right? Which tells me that if we're doing this right, if we're preaching the kingdom, if we're living the kingdom, then we should be tearing down gates to let people out. We should be tearing down strongholds and reclaiming territory for the king of kings rather than living passively and defensively because I'm willing to bet you that that thing that you're waiting for God over you're not really waiting for God. God's waiting on you, and you're just, you just forgot the last thing he told you to do. And I know that because that's what happened to me. And the reason why I bring this up, this part in particular, is because um, in the, over the next couple weeks, we're going to have one other person come and teach on prayer on, I think, the 21st. Um, but then either before or after that, we're going to start talking about fasting how it sets you up for success um, and like part of part of like here's the other thing before my boss bought me insurance before you know um, my blood sugar started evening out that very next week I, I started fasting things I started fasting every form of drink besides black coffee and water and I started fasting TV um, I finally just broke that fast because Stranger Things 3 came out. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I was able to hear God so much more clearly and had so much power backing me up when I went about doing things because I humbled myself. I sought first the kingdom in times and in areas of my life where like, one, I just like, soda's just not good for you. No matter how much you might like it. Which sucks to say, because I love Diet Coke. Like, I'm just going to be real. I do. And, uh, you can make fun of me all you want. And the other thing, too, is that TV is such, such a time waster. It's such a time waster. And I'm not saying don't watch TV, because there are times where, like, God's like, yeah, man, go recharge. Have fun with me. Let's, like, sit and watch an episode or two, maybe. Let's watch the Matrix and point out all the places where it reflects the gospel. Great, let's do that. Like, awesome. But, Amen. like, it, it cannot take the time or take over the time that should be, should be used or could be used for prayer. 
and and just like communing with God through through studying the Word and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I'm fasting other things right now, um, which has been really great. Uh, but I'm not going to get into that because once the fast is done, I'll tell you what it is. But um, the thing that I kind of want to get to tonight, and and we have we have uh, we're going to pray for John and Hannah because they start new jobs this week, but. Um, one of the things that I, I, I kind of do want to like leave open to discussion is, um, and honestly, I, I mean, I, I would really like, I would like to talk about it if we have time and if you guys are down for it, like I, I do, I want to talk about the kingdom. I want to talk about like where we might be missing it and how we can, how we can fully preach the gospel of the kingdom and like get to that place as a family to where we know beyond a, a shadow of a doubt, that's what we're doing because that's where, like, the power of Jesus lies is in the gospel of the kingdom. You know, I mean, Jesus even said, I can't remember if it's Luke eleven nineteen or Luke nineteen eleven. He says, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you. Right? So it's like we have all this access to all these things and we miss out. I'm going to close in prayer because I'm just going to start rambling again. And it's like over an hour already, and I didn't even think I was going to be talking this long. Um, so, look, I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to crash this thing, and then we're just going to kind of pick up the pieces as a family, like in discussion, and then pray for Hannah and John because, you know, if we do get into things that are a little bit more personal, I don't necessarily want them on the podcast. So, um, but, yeah, so I'm going to pray, and then... We're just going to kind of open it up for discussion, like, further. And I just, I just kind of want to see what you guys think and, like, how we can get there. Um, because I know that this is something that I really want to learn. And I, and I have a feeling this is something that you guys really want to learn, too. So, Dad, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you so much for the kingdom. We thank you that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Um, that you have given us instruction to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Um, and we should see first your kingdom and, and, and your righteousness and all these things will be added to us is what Matthew 6.33 says and so we just thank you for that power I thank you for divine um, conversations um, I thank you for leading us and guiding us in all truth I thank you Holy Spirit for helping us to renew our minds and teaching us and being our teacher and being our comforter um, so yeah, we just thank you. I give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. That's what we said.